0: This episode is sponsored by The Latte Co. If you follow me on social media, you'll know that I make Milo smoothies all the time and I'm always putting a powder in them. That powder is created by The Latte Co. It is 100% plant-based. They have a baby latte, which is for 12 months and up, and then a kiddo latte, which is what Milo is using right now, which is for 24 months and up. You can put the powder in just water, you can put it in smoothies, you can even throw it in baking. It's made with organic, whole food ingredients, it contains more calcium than cow's milk, has a huge range of vitamins and minerals, it is gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and it is nut-free. I'll just read off some of the ingredients here. So hemp hearts, pea protein powder, grinded flax seeds, beetroot, green cabbage, kale, broccoli, tomato, pumpkin. I mean, it goes on and on. I consider this stuff my secret weapon and it's so nice to give Milo a smoothie that has this powder in it and I know that he's getting a bunch of nutrition. The awesome people at The Latte Co. would like to give you guys 10% off and free shipping on your first order with the promo code THEMOMROOM10. You can find the link in the episode notes or you can simply go to thelatteco.com. I cannot recommend this stuff enough. So remember, it is promo code THEMOMROOM10 for a 10% discount and free shipping. www.thelatteco.com um, all right, so today I am talking with Erica Frazier. She is a million different things. Uh, she was a <laughs> mom <laughs> to two young children. She is the creator behind Mom Break, which has a website, a podcast, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, and an Amazon store. I was reading all this stuff and I was like, holy. sounds like Um, a lot when you read it out. (laughs) I know. And I'm like, how the hell does she do this? So she's also Uh, the owner of Tidy Timer, which she'll tell us about eventually. So yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and also how and why you started Mom Break and what it is if people don't know?
1: That's so, it's so funny when you map it all out, because I know that it's a lot, but you know, when you're in the thick of things doing your own thing, it doesn't. It's like being a mom too. All the things that you do in a day, you finish a day and all of a sudden you look back and you can't remember what you've accomplished. But if you write it all out, you've done quite literally a million different things. Yeah. That's how I just feel about life in general, I think. Yeah. About me, I'm Erica. I have two kids. Two and a half and five ish, I think, girl and boy. And I run mum break, apparently, and do lots of things. Um, (laughs) But essentially, if you guys are big fans of Renee, it's sort of, I take a similar approach to blogging and parenting in that kind of have no filter. I kind of love sharing the awesome parts and the really hard parts. And I don't, you know, sugarcoat the uh, stuff in between. But the the whole reason I started Mom Break was because when I started this journey, holy, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? No, yes. probably not. Yep. Holy shit balls. It's <laughs> been almost four years. Wow. It's February is my four year. I'm not a big anniversary or celebration person, but someone asked me on a podcast the other day, and holy four years. Holy crap. It's insane. So four years, I am a, I'm an accomplished four-year blogger. Yeah. and but the, but the point is, is back then, back in the day, blogging looked very different and the online space looked very different in that it was sort of this curated, cultivated vision of motherhood where it was Moses baskets and jeans and white sheets and um, the struggles and the whole picture of motherhood wasn't necessarily depicted. And I I had a really hard time with that in the throes of postpartum depression and anxiety with that comparison game. And I never felt like I was doing enough because I, you know, I never had jeans on because they didn't fit. And I couldn't sit down and drink a full cup of coffee on my white duvet with my Moses basket beside Mm. me. (laughs) And I, I felt like a failure. So it started with that personal need for, Being able to view something online that was a more accurate depiction of my Mm. life while still celebrating all of those positive things.
0: Yeah, But I found the same thing as I was pregnant and leading up to giving birth to Milo, that's The content that I was looking at on Pinterest Mm -hmm. and stuff, getting excited to like plan their outfits and, you know, the Mm -hmm. stupid shit that we care about when we're pregnant for the first time. (laughs) It's important
1: that they have matching outfits (laughs) and little ties as boys.
0: Yeah. That's something that matters. I really cared about, you know, how things looked and, you know, what products I was buying. And that has, it quickly went out the window. But then when I was in postpartum, I was like, oh my God, why doesn't anybody show? actually what's happening. And I did not follow mom people on, on Instagram or anything. And you're one of the first accounts probably that was like mom centered that I followed. And I would watch your stories and see, you know, struggling to like get your kids dressed in the morning. And, and I was like, okay, this is what I have to look forward to. Not like, you know, photo shoots at the apple orchard. Um, so yeah, <laughs> those that are, was
1: happened too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, but nobody has shows...
1: to get them there. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Nobody shows the behind the scenes of what those photos took. So what are your plans for mom break? You're already doing everything like with the podcast and the blog and YouTube. So where do you see that going?
1: Oh my God. So funny you asked that because if you had asked that pre COVID, I would have told you a very different answer than now. I would have said that I, I want to turn this into a full-time thing where I'm just able to create all of these different tools and resources to help moms like on a full-time basis. But now I think my big epiphany was that my priorities have shifted in that my family and my kids are now number one, which I knew that like, we know this, right? Like we know these things as parents, but the, there's a disconnect between what I knew and what I believed. And then what I actually did on a day-to-day basis, Ah. The, the activities and the actions that I did didn't reflect and, correlate with those priorities so now the goal I think is to just have fun with it create a place where I can meet new amazing women put out content that I'm passionate about that and I'm sure you relate to this to some extent that doesn't as a creator I don't have to worry about I don't want to worry about anymore about like engagement and likes and follower number I got caught into that pit for so long and my background's a professional marketer. So it's, Mm. it's my instinct to go to those numbers because that's what I use to generate to clients and within my day job. But I wanted to pull away from that and moving forward, it's just about creating content that I'm passionate about and that will help moms and not worrying about this sort of trap of the online world, the abyss.
0: My background is very heavy in statistics. Yeah. So when I have all these analytics with the podcast with TikTok, with you just know there Instagram for you. Yeah, I'm like so interested in the analytics. Do you find it difficult to this is not on our outline, but I'm so curious mm-hmm. because we're Let's kind of in the it. same space. <laughs> Do you find it difficult to like I spend a lot of time creating stuff, whether that mm-hmm. be podcast episodes, TikToks, Instagram posts? stories. Um, but then I always feel bad that I'm not spending more time answering direct messages or replying to people's comments on stuff. Like, do you have a way that you balance that or do you not even worry about that?
1: Okay. So yes, I worry about that a lot because I'm a super huge, and I'm an inbox zero person. Like I I have to, it's a compulsive need to have all my emails at zero. Like it's a psychotic thing since I get so many, (laughs) And it kills me when I have, you know, that ninety-nine in that other I- folder on Instagram. Cause so people who don't know, in if someone's not messaged you before, really engaged with you, your direct message actually goes to this sort of hidden other folder, which taps out at 99 and every I think through 30 days the, they get deleted. So essentially I didn't know that. If like 31 days ago they messaged you, then it's gone. Unless they message you again and then it pops up in the history.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: it's gone. So if you don't keep up with it, it's gone. So it kills me that it's always at 99. So I, I try really hard, but how I tackle it is I, um, well, I answer a lot of messages when I'm going to pee. I lock myself yeah. in the bathroom. That's mostly where I answer messages. If you get a message from me, it's probably because I'm hiding in the bathroom <laughs> from my family, to be totally honest, or I use my computer a lot. Okay. I'll sit down and I'll put on a timer. And for ten or fifteen minutes on like the Facebook computer platform, because I can type faster than I can um, use my thumbs to text. Yeah, and I just hammer things out. I focus more on DMs because I I'm not as creative as you content wise. You're just like oh. so fucking funny. I oh, always struggle. <laughs> So
0: to- together we can conquer the world. Oh my God, seriously, <laughs> we'd be one perfect blogger. Yeah, exactly. My husband and I both turn the big 4-0 next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. Yeah. I, I stress stressed about that. And when I first started gaining a lot of followers, I was very adamant about answering everything. Um, and I would spend a lot of time doing it, but as they, it just got more and more overwhelming, it's almost like, I know that I can't answer them all. So then it's hard for me to even start. So like, yeah. I'm kind of like you, I'll answer one, like here and there, here and there. Um, but yeah, it's so, stressful to me but I guess that yes. just comes with the
1: territory right yeah. it's a good problem to have but I think so my thing is recently I'm, I'm this year my new goal is to work on not being in box zero because I know it's no, it's not a good thing like mentally it's not a good thing and it's not a practical thing whether it's work or whatever mm. um it's just this compulsive need to have things done and organized it doesn't mean I'm actually actioning more um but I'm, I'm working really hard on not answering <laughs> as many messages and I I start to ask myself, well, what am I giving up to be able to answer this this person's message on Instagram? And honestly, ninety nine percent of the time, it's time with my kids. Yeah. And really, there's there's nothing more important. So I balance it by doing it in, in chunks and blocks, and I put my phone away at like six p.m. seven p.m. every night. Put it on docking station, so I physically can't answer it, even if I wanted to, because I I would. Yeah. It's sitting there. Your hands go to it, right? Like we're all. Oh yeah. I don't know about you. Like I my phone is right beside me and I'm like eking towards it. I gotta touch it, gotta touch it, gotta check.
0: And the Uh thumb goes into the flip
1: and you know exactly where the apps go and you super healthy.
0: My phone is always beside me and I have this habit of even though like Renee, if you got a notification, your fucking screen would light up and you would know. But I have this habit of tapping my phone <laughs> just so that the screen lights up. And it's like, you know what time it is. What are you doing? And it's just a habit. And you know what's yeah, really sad? Brutal. Sometimes I do that to the monitor. The monitor is not <laughs> on and I tap the freaking monitor. You're
1: like a toddler. It's like Austin or Milo just being like, this is a screen, right? No, yeah. no, yeah. it's not. Oh, actually, hold on. I have one thing that would be helpful for everybody. Okay. Someone sent me, oh, where is it? An app. And I'm going to look for it right now. It's called One Sec, like O-N-E.
0: Space, I'm going to write it down. Sec,
1: S-E-C. I don't think it's for Android. I think it's only for Apple, okay. um, but it's a paid app to help with um, social media addiction. And someone actually sent it to me. It's like paid. I mean, it's like $2 Canadian. Like it's not subscription or anything it is awesome because every time you go into instagram or whatever app you decide you're addicted to it prompts you it makes you forces you to take a deep breath because it does like that haptic you know when phones or watches do that haptic like so it does yeah. a deep breath in deep breath out and then it asks you are you sure you want to go on instagram yes or no <laughs> and you have to like actively decide to waste your life away on this oh girl
0: but it's awesome Anyways, we can go back to your outline now. I'm sorry. I will, uh, I'll put that in the episode notes in case anyone else is addicted to social media. Okay. So you mentioned when we were thinking about things to talk about um, for this episode, because I'm type A and I need to have, you know, some kind of Mm -hmm. structure and outline. For sure. You had mentioned that you experienced postpartum depression with both of your kids, but that it was different for each kid. I experienced anxiety and it was very short-lived, but like I was already on anxiety medication. So thank God, who knows what it would have been if I wasn't. So it was very short-lived and it was very acute in that it would only happen around 7 p.m. and I would cry uncontrollably for like an hour and I didn't know, it was just like impending doom in that Mm -hmm. stretch of time. But yeah, luckily it went away. But so what was depression like for you? What did that feel like? What was your experience?
1: The first time around, after having my first kiddo, um, I suffered from I didn't have postpartum anxiety and just had post I just had postpartum depression. No big deal. That's fine. all totally fine. Totally fine. Um so going into my second, I I thought I understood what was gonna be coming and I thought I was prepared and I I knew what to expect because This is just how it was going to be again. And that was fine because I had the tools to deal with it, but then it was so totally different. And it flipped from postpartum depression to a little bit of postpartum depression. And then like full-blown anxiety attacks for the first time in my life, how like you did not prepare me for this. I thought I had this mother thing down. I'm second child. I got this. But the first time with the depression, it really manifested in this desire to not do anything. But at the same time, I was hyper productive on the outside. So I have a video and I'll hunt it down and I'll send you the link. I'm going to take a note. But um, essentially, I don't think anyone really knew what was going on because on the surface, I had this sort of facade of everything's fine. It's fine. And it's that meme that I joke about all the time. And it's not maybe the healthiest thing, but whatever, coping, it's totally fine. And then it's that little guy sitting there with the fire burning around him, like all of our lives right now. But in the back end, it was like, I'm sad. I'm frustrated. I'm ragey with my husband. I I don't feel connected to my child. This baby is had colic and was screaming all the time and was just didn't sleep and didn't, you know, eat well. I was exhausted. And it was it's so funny because I was thinking about it in preparation for this interview. And it's almost like we block it out as a survival technique. Like it's, it's hard to go back and to relive those days, not because of the memories associated with it, because it's almost as though to be able to do it again, you sort of <laughs> lock it out. Right. Yeah. Then we're like, okay, cool. I feel better now. Let's have a second one and do it again. I got this high five. Um, I
0: specifically remember like when I would go through really, really difficult days or times with Milo and he wasn't even like, he wasn't colicky. He was pretty easy going as a baby, but still the nap time struggles when he was first starting to take his naps in his crib. And I remember my husband was at work and I was just having like the worst days. And I remember telling myself, Renee, remember this moment (laughs) right now. Remember all of these difficult days that you've had where you literally, you said, like, you feel ragey and like out of control. And at the same time, trying to, on the outside, be super like loving and like understanding. And you know, I'm a good mom.
1: I got this. It's fine. yeah
0: Meanwhile, I'm, you know, going into my bedroom, like punching the bed as hard as I can because I'm so frustrated. Because yeah, my child won't nap and I'm trying to get him on this schedule and like sleep. You have to do the schedule. Of course. And then finally the biggest turnaround I was like, one day I was like, fuck it. If I have to drive around the neighborhood, pick up a latte and just, you know, look at houses for two hours so that he naps. That's what I'm going to do. If I have to nap with him in my bed, that's what I'm going to do. If he doesn't nap, I don't fucking care. I just kind of threw the schedule out the window and then everything just felt so much less stressful because I wasn't so hyper-focused on trying to meet these goals throughout the day.
1: Did you find that and you had a lot of intrusive thoughts in the first little bit? Because I know that, and I know a lot of friends are struggling with this right now, but it was a big one that I didn't know would happen. And I've suffered, I still have them, to be honest. My kids are big and totally fine now, but I would have visions of myself walking down the stairs, holding the baby, and I would randomly slip and fall and throw the baby over the railing. Or even, I remember thinking about, you know, stepping on the baby, getting out of bed in the middle of the night. I'm like, why is the baby on the floor? The baby's not sleeping on the floor beside my bed. And then yeah. I would, you know, kill the baby. And I, all these things, every time my kids now, even still now, like however many years later, if I'm they're near a knife, I can't help but picture the knife falling and like impaling them in the head, and it just the thought that pops into my mind, and it's it's hard to deal with if you don't know what it is.
0: I did a full episode with a counselor who specializes in OCD and um, anxiety in mm-hmm. pregnancy and in motherhood, and the way she talked about it and described it and how she treats people for that, it's incredibly common. I had not so much intrusive thoughts with me doing stuff, but for example, if my mom was carrying Milo down the stairs or something, I couldn't. I just was fixated on like, oh my god, she's going to trip and fall down the stairs, and I would have to verbalize something mm-hmm. in order for that negative thought to go away. So yeah. even now, I find my husband will give him Milo something, and I, like I have a negative thought, like oh that piece of whatever it is is too big, He's and then choke so can die exactly. So then I I have to verbalize it, and my husband I I know that it's fine and I shouldn't, but I'm just like uh. Although that's a little bit big, like maybe we can cut that, you know, like then you feel to- like you're nagging too,
1: right? <laughs> you're like, oh crap, I'm a nagging wife now.
0: That's what I need to do in order to ease my anxiety about the situation. But yeah, I definitely, when anyone else would carry him down the stairs or, you know, something along those lines, I would get nervous for sure. And have to say something like, oh, be careful. What were some things with your first, when you first experienced, or maybe even recognized in yourself that you might be struggling with depression. What are some things that you did? Did you seek treatment? Did you do anything that was like hoping mechanism?
1: No, I just struggled in silence for a long oh, time. Okay. Um, I think I was at this stage where I wasn't, it was honest, like it was like I was using every single ounce of my strength and every single ounce of energy just to survive the day. And anything, any tiny thing, no matter how small above and beyond that was just too much to mm-hmm. deal with and too much to cope. So I remember a couple times where I acknowledge, like in your head, you know that there's a problem, but you don't have the will, or not the will necessarily. You don't have the capability to do that next small, tiny incremental step. And I remember a couple times, the first thing I did was go to Google and just search postpartum therapist Ottawa. And then of course you get this list of 8,000 therapists with yeah. a million different reviews. And you're like, okay, no, I'm tapping out. I can't, I can't, this is too much. And... I have this moment and I think I've told it a few times, but it's, it's burned into my brain. And despite remembering very little over the past five years, this is a remember, memory. I don't think I'll ever forget. Uh, Aubrey was screaming in the other room and she'd been screaming for hours. She hadn't slept. I was, I was at capacity and I just needed a break and I can't remember where my husband was, if he was home or I like left her to, in her crib to scream. I think he was at work and I just like left her in a safe space in the house because I just couldn't and I needed a break because I didn't trust myself because at that point you've you've been pushed so far and pushed to the brink where you start to doubt and question the things that you are capable of doing because you're at this point of you know you're so tired you can barely make it up the stairs and you've been you're this kid has been crying for one zillion days and so I put her somewhere And then I went into the farthest room in my house away from her, which happened to be the laundry room. And I shut the door and I just sat on the floor and just sobbed. And at that point, I think I called my husband. I probably texted him because I'm not good with like words for things like that. I need to get it out in written form. And I just said like, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to find me a therapist. I don't care who, I don't care when, but I need you to take care of it. I can't do it myself. And then that was the last I did of it. And all of a sudden I knew, you know, a couple of weeks later, I was being shuttled off to an appointment. And that was sort of how the journey began.
0: As soon as you get that, this is why I always tell people if something's going on, just verbalize it to someone. For me, when I'm in those moments where I was having crazy anxiety, just telling my husband how I felt, it's like there, it's out there now. Like he knows Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit here and cry and then it'll be over. But I always tell people, make, just tell someone. So I'm sure just you texting that to your husband was like Mm -hmm. relief. So much better. Yeah.
1: I don't have to search Google anymore for therapists. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have, it's not one more thing of the million things I have to do in the day. It's going to be taken care of because actually my husband and I have this rule that we figured out pretty early on in our marriage for us that works really well is that I don't ask for anything of him unless I really need it. So mm. it started off at the beginning of our relationship where I'd be like, honey, can you go get me a glass of water? And I wouldn't like, I'd be very capable of going to get it myself. But now, because we have this rule, if I say, Hey, do you mind going to get me a glass of water? He knows because it's like, I, I need him to go get it for some reason or other, And he just happily goes and does it. So anytime yeah. we ask each other anything, we're sort of just happy to help because we know that it's. So in that case, for me texting him and saying like, I need help. It really solidified that.
0: Did he know previous to that text message that oh, yeah. something was wrong? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think though it's
1: hard because especially I'm really lucky. I came from a, a background of family who was open and comfortable with therapy. Like i have been to therapy for before my mom was very open to it. We talked about it candidly in my side of the family, but I don't think that's still common amongst immediate family members for most families
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, or at least it wasn't five years ago. Yeah, I think it's starting to be more now. But I think if you don't come from that, you don't know that the next logical step is maybe they go to therapy. So he knew there was a problem. He just I don't think knew how to help.
0: Yeah, that's probably pretty common. Yeah, good old depression and anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Groco. You guys know that I am obsessed with the pelvic floor and I am obsessed with postpartum recovery. And postpartum recovery does not stop at the six-week mark. It continues for a lifetime. For me, I did not notice any issues down there until Milo was about 18 months old. I started to notice that if I was holding my pee and I had a full bladder and I sneezed, I would leak. When I would do a TikTok dance too hard in my kitchen, I would leak. I also started to develop really bad lower back pain that didn't feel like a typical sore back. I saw a pelvic floor physio and I started doing the GroCo classes and I am happy to report that I am not leaking and my low back pain is gone. I had no idea that low back pain could be a result of a tight pelvic floor and leaking too. I think we often assume that if you're leaking, you're weak down there, but that was not the case for me. I was too tight and I needed to learn how to relax those muscles. And these are all things plus so, so, so much more that you will learn as a member of GroCo postnatal rehab. The GroCo methodology is aimed at preventing, reducing, and resolving symptoms women have been made to think are an inevitable consequence of childbirth. Classes stream 24-7 so you're able to do them whenever it works best for you. There's also a weekly live class with a GroCO Doctor and also a monthly master class. The next program starts February 9th, and there's 15 spots available. You will work for 10 weeks in small groups with a GroCO postnatal doctor, and you'll also have lifetime access to GroCo Fitness and Rehab Studio online. You can save $100 on your lifetime membership to Groco right now by clicking the link in the episode notes. Your pelvic floor will thank you. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code MOMROOM at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, because I know just from following you, you and your husband have, it seems like you're very regimented when it comes to like household mm-hmm. tasks and, you know, even things that have to do with the kids and like bedtime and mornings. And so where where did that come from? When did you guys start functioning in that way? And it, does it work well? Like, do you think you need to do that? We need to do that. I I don't want to speak
1: for everybody because I know everyone's marriage and everyone's like cultures and values and religious beliefs are all very different in terms of like the roles of, you know, males and females in the household. So I'll just sort of speak to how it works for us. It all started in therapy, round two, or I guess round like three, if you include pre-kids. So when I went back with Austin, focusing on on the anxiety and focusing on the stress that was elicited by the mess in the house. So one of my big triggers with postpartum anxiety uh, with Austin, my second child, was the mess and the stuff and all of the list of things that needed to be done. I got so many messages on Instagram being like, I would never be able to keep my house as clean as yours. It's always so lovely. But I'm like, the reason it's lovely is because I am struggling. The reason it is lovely is because if I don't have this countertop clean in the kitchen, I can't think about anything else. And all I want to do is sit on the floor and fucking cry. Mm. I, this is a coping strategy for me and it is, it's not healthy, (laughs) So the fact that I'm now able to, like in my office where I'm recording right now, there's like a pile of junk sitting there. The fact that I'm able to have that there without it giving me a second thought of stress is a huge accomplishment for me. So yay, go therapy. Who knew this was going to turn into a promotion for therapy? I know. Uh, but it because of that manifestation of anxiety with my second, it also caused a lot of um. discontent in my marriage Mm -hmm. if you will because it started to feel uh, and I started to feel incredibly resentful to my husband because I had this giant list of things that I was doing in the day and he just got off got to go off to work hang out go for a poop by himself go have a coffee by himself drive home in the car without two screaming children. And here I was not sleeping, not even having the time or not prioritizing the time to have a shower and just incredibly bitter about it because I physically couldn't stop because of the anxiety. So um, one of the suggestions my therapist made was just sort of map out uh, a list of who's doing what so that it's more clear so that I wouldn't necessarily get mad at my husband for things he didn't know he was doing wrong. The perfect example, and I think we probably all experienced this. Was I was in the kitchen, two screaming kids. It had been a rough day, and my husband came in the door, and the first thing he did was go and sit down on the couch and play on his phone while I'm making dinner in the kitchen with this kid screaming, obviously on me. And I was like, again, an intrusive thought. I'm like, knife, head, stab. Like I hate him. This is awful. This is not fair. And it occurred to me in that moment, my the connection I made with. The therapy comment was that he didn't know what he was doing was driving me nuts. He didn't know that I had created this rule in my head of how he should act and what my version of his requirement should be. He didn't know that I needed him to, you know, take the kids for 10 minutes so that I could finish dinner on peace. He just didn't know that. And if I had told him and if we had mapped it out clearly, he would do it because he's a wonderful human being. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it later. And when I was a little bit more calm, (laughs) because of course I wasn't in that moment, right? Like your max level rage. And he's like, I wish you had just told me because I would have taken the kids. Like I, I just needed a few minutes to decompress because it was a hard day at the work at work. So, you know, in the future, I just need to sit down for two minutes. After two minutes, I'll take the kids downstairs and you can sit and have a glass of wine in the kitchen and cook.
0: Yeah. I was like,
1: well, fuck, that sounds great. Let's do that. Yeah. All I had to do was ask. So it evolved into this constant changing thing of we on a recurring basis, sit down and write down all the things in the house that need to get done. And then just sort of assign them to each other based on our skills and what we like doing and what yeah. we're, what we're good at for like our time commitments in that time.
0: It's unbelievable how just a simple it's couple sentences, <laughs> Yep. Can change the entire outcome of a day. And similar to that situation you described, I, when my husband gets home from work, and this could be even on days where he has picked up Milo from daycare, he comes in with Milo, let's say. And, you know, Milo and I go into the living room and I'm like in his face being annoying and, you know, because that's just who I am as a person. But my husband always just ventures into the kitchen and we'll start dinking around with the dishes in the sink and like prepping the coffee for the next day, which like on paper looks nice. How do you complain about that? Because that's a lovely thing, but... Yeah. But in my mind, and I've told him this many times, and I often have to remind him because this is just his go-to thing when he gets home. I have to say, when you get home, come sit down with us and like play with Milo or like talk to me for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and then go off and do your stuff. I'm looking forward to them getting home, my husband and Milo, all day, right? Yeah. And then he walks in the door and just will say, hi, and like give me a kiss. (laughs) And then boom, off into the kitchen doing other stuff. And that's fine. But like, just spend 10 minutes. But I had to figure out why am I annoyed right now when he just got home from work? Because I was happy and excited for him to get home. And now all of a sudden I'm grumpy and I'm mad. And why? Instantly. Well, because you want him to come sit down with you and like give you his attention for 10 minutes and then he can go do his stuff. But so many people, I think, fall into this rut of not understanding why they're pissed and why they're resentful. And even if they do figure it out, they don't verbalize it. And like you were saying, like, they don't know. No, they have no idea.
1: And I think for the most part, I mean, I would say like a super high percentage of partners out there are really good human beings who just want everyone to be happy. But it's like, same thing with your, your situation, your husband, like he's literally coming home, giving you a kiss and doing what he thinks needs to be done by helping out around the house, which other women would be like, you know, that's pretty sweet. eh?" But all you want and all you need is five or 10 minutes as a family. And he didn't know that. And when you say that, it's like, okay, cool. Then you, everyone wins, right? Yeah. Win, win, win. It's crazy. how Something so small can be something so huge. And it sounds like this, it should be this aha moment, but it's not, it's just tell people what you want and why.
0: Did you like did you have any kind of epiphanies um with regard, but maybe I don't know what your situation typically is, but during the quarantine months, because I had all these epiphanies about about things with regard to our family dynamic. Did anything come up for you guys or was it pretty similar to
1: Yeah, we had sort of we had been lucky because we had done all the sort of legwork ahead of time. I can't imagine not having done the legwork and then going and being, you know, in quarantine with all of these people and <laughs> all these people, all these people, all my family members who I made and <laughs> love and chose. It, it's it's an incredibly um, challenging situation. And I, I, even though we'd done the legwork ahead of time, it was still incredibly hard. So I can't imagine.
0: Yeah. It was difficult for us because for me, all of a sudden my life was flipped upside down because yeah. yeah, I was on this high of finishing my PhD program and then literally days later it was like you're in quarantine now with a toddler and you can't leave the house, you can't go anywhere, you can't have friends, you can't like yeah. do anything. So it was a slap in the face for me and huge change, especially because I'm such a busybody. I need to be like doing stuff, creating, being productive and with a toddler at home, that's impossible. So my husband, on the other hand, was still doing his regular life. He was just
1: working with this crazy pandemic. Yeah, the, he wasn't working system. from
0: home. He was still going to work like he usually would. If anything, he was working more because he's a physician. Um, but I was starting to get annoyed. Like you were saying, you get to drive to work for 20 minutes there wow. and back. <laughs> you, can, you can listen to a podcast. You could drink your coffee. It's You're so quiet. lucky. Yeah. Do you oh. ever find it's funny? Cause I'm reading this book right now. That's called how not to hate your husband after kids. Have you read it?
1: I've heard about it. It's on my
0: list. Okay. Good. It's really good so far. And she talked about how a lot of husbands end up doing the more leisurely tasks around the house that usually involve them leaving the house. So like cutting the grass, shoveling the driveway, all that stuff. And in quarantine, I never really thought much about it because Milo was in daycare and I had all day to do my stuff. And if my husband came home from work and cut the lawn, I didn't really care. Um, I didn't want to go cut the lawn. But in quarantine, when I was stuck in the house all day with Milo and then my husband came home from work, if he even breathed the words, like I'm going to go cut the grass rage. No, yeah, yeah. you're not going outside I'm and soaking up the sun, listening no, to a podcast. Yeah. So- yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Bring me my margarita. I'm going to mow the lawn. So I started to do those tasks around the house because I figured out why I was pissed that he wanted to go cut the grass. Well, because to me, that sounds like a good right. fucking time. Yeah. Do you do stuff like that?
1: Yeah. So, okay. You're, people are going to hate me when I say this, but my husband is a wonderful human being. And if you guys are only now meeting me through the pod, through your podcast here, um, I don't actually share anything about him other than just, you know, talking about it in passing because he's chosen not to be present on social media. He's a private okay. person. So he's kind of become this mysterious person. He is the best human being in the entire world. And in our latest, okay, this is, I haven't told anyone this yet, in our latest update of chores. So I have a chore list. I We use it ourselves. I have it on my um, website. It's at digital.mumbreak.ca. And it's essentially how we split up all of our chores. On our recent updated COVID chore list... <laughs> Well, this makes me. The fact that this makes me feel guilty is I'm ridiculous. So curious. So he does all of the laundry, mm-hmm. puts it all away. I put my own laundry away because it has to go in the right place, and I have like weird shaped pieces that he doesn't know how to deal with. <laughs> you know, women clothes. Yeah. Um, he does all of the dishes. He does all of the floors and vacuumings, and he does all of the bedtimes. Nice. He does. And the ridiculous part is that if a woman said that, you'd be like, okay, cool. You're doing your job.
0: Yeah. Bullshit. Totally normal. Yeah. Totally normal.
1: And here I am like, he's again, wonderful human being, but it was, it got to the point where we were looking through like how our days were divided. And I was doing the bulk of the day stuff because at that one point, I was essentially working from home full time. And then I had the kids all day. So I didn't have time to do all of these things. So Mm -hmm. how we balanced that and how we picked up the slack was that he took on more of the household responsibilities and duties. And actually he does all the groceries too. (laughs) I do, I do like the meal planning and cooking. And he does like all the shopping because I can't be trusted in stores anymore because I spend too much money. I'm not allowed in Costco anymore. Um, But yeah, it's, we realized that In order to make it like a happy, healthy marriage, his way of contributing was now he does double bedtime because he's he's better at it. And while he does that, honestly, last night I went and had a bath because I knew that um, I needed that because I was, you know, spending the day with the
0: kids. And we have very similar husbands because my husband, he he goes to work. I usually Mm -hmm. stay home and do stuff from home. So he does all the shopping unless I want to go to get out of the house, then he like, I'll go, but yeah, he does. Like he's the dishes guy. He cooks most of our meals. Mm -hmm. I don't, I hate cooking and people
1: similar to you.
0: Like, I like how you said, I feel guilty saying this and I'm the exact same way. I feel so awkward sharing with people that my husband does all this stuff. Because TikTok people will
1: attack you if they knew. My Instagram people are nicer than your TikTok people. Oh my God, sorry. sorry.
0: (laughs) And I I feel like people, you say all this stuff that your husband does, instead of just being like, wow, he's awesome. You guys are lucky good relationship you obviously have good communication skills well. I think in my mind when I say it I don't assume that people are thinking those thoughts I assume people are saying you're lazy you're a shitty mom or husband like that's what I think people are saying when Milo was a baby he was the one that mostly slept with the monitor I would go sleep downstairs mm. and he would do the feedings yeah. he would do and he would go to work the next day That's just how it worked for us because I can't sleep after being woken up. I'm up all night. Him, he can get up, fall right back asleep in two seconds. So I I never really tell people that because I feel weird saying that, but yeah, but I think more people
1: need to do it. Right. Because, and then I, then you get all the messages being like, you're so lucky. You have such a wonderful husband. Like, how do I get my husband to do things? And yes, I am lucky. I have a husband. Like we we're best friends. How do I say this without offending people? I'm just going to say it. Honestly, if he was, if he was a different person, I wouldn't be with him. Uh-huh. A hundred percent. He's a wonderful human being. And we chose each other for a reason. Yeah. We are a team together and you had you, oh my God, it was your money. It was your money, TikTok or real or wherever it started from about um, your husband supporting you.
0: Oh yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're a team. We support each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't do the laundry. Yeah. I don't, what else don't I do? All these list bedtimes, but I do a fuck ton. You should see the ten, organize yeah. of other things. <laughs> and I do, I'm really fucking good at a lot of other things and just, yeah. it's a team. So we chose each other. And I think that if he was different, I wouldn't have chosen him.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. And I always say, like, I never, Initially, I never really thought I wanted to have a kid. And then once I was in the proper relationship with him and we respect each other so much, he's super responsible and on the ball. And so am I, it was like, okay, now I want to have a kid with this person. Yeah. It's
1: really just my magic to my relationship is that I just ask and he asks when he needs something and then we respect each other when we tell each other what we want.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you got my email about the three resources for I moms. Did. And did you think of any?
1: I did. I really struggled with this though, because
0: oh. I'm the kind of person that I just like
1: to struggle in silence, you know, for mom stuff. I don't really, how do I say this? I sit there and I, I figure my shit out, but not in a mom way. So my, my things are a little bit weird. My suggestions are a little bit strange. I found one good mom one that I think okay. people will like. My favorite therapist account is Dr. Tracy Dalgleish. It's um, on Instagram at dr drdoctor.tracyd. The reason why I love her is she's an Ottawa mom and I've met her in person. and I know that she's a good human being and that's um, always important, <laughs> but her, what she says and how she frames motherhood and working as a mother speaks to my soul in almost every single post. And she talks a lot about relationships and um, it really is a resource that I find super valuable. So her, this other one is a little bit strange so bear with me have you read the book atomic habits
0: no but awesome. i've heard about it
1: so good okay atomic habits by james clear and essentially what it is is talking and breaking down habits and that we don't the, the underlying quick message is that you have to be 1% better a day in order to actually make any incremental change over the long run you can't and you can't focus on multiple things at once so Whereas this has been a big help for me and how it translated to my journey in motherhood was that I think as moms, we think we have to do all the things all the time and we have to make big changes. And I mean, we're recording this right after New Year's. So like the, the desire to get on the bandwagon for all of these new things and make these drastic changes are great in theory and we're drawn to them naturally as women, but they're not actually scientifically and practically feasible so he gives and provides this for me was like an aha moment book on how to actually pick a goal of something that I want and then to implement it over time and to do it in a way that's sustainable and feasible and not overwhelming and actually fits into this crazy lives that we lives that we lead right
0: now Mm, that's great I actually I'm gonna have Tracy on the podcast soon she's awesome what are you guys gonna be talking about so I wanted to talk about romantic relationships with her because she has a lot of yes. great stuff about, well, romantic relationships. Um, I love that. She's topic. a wonderful human being and she's so, so good with it. Yeah. What are your plans for the podcast this season? Are you Ugh. still recording? I
1: have two more weeks of recording and then I'm set out till July, I think. you wrap. I know. How far in advance do you record yours? Like a couple weeks or you just sort of doing them as you go? This is the first time I've batched. You're just winging it.
0: I just fuck it. Like I just book people in and I just go as I go and I release them. My co-hosted episodes, I release every Friday, like whatever order it falls in. Me too. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't have any rhyme or reason. I don't have seasons. I don't have a stop time. I just do it and that's it. Okay. Here's my season secret. It's not
1: seasons because I'm intentionally doing seasons like a TV show. It's just that I took a big break and it doesn't make sense. It makes sense to have like a season. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, It's not like, I'm like, Hey, I need to have a season three of the mom break podcast. It's just, I didn't post anything for a really long time because COVID freaked with my head. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) (laughs) marketing wise, this needs to make more sense. (laughs) But yeah, I, I don't know. I found it was really, um, like podcasting so much work, right? So So it's, if I do it in bulk in a couple weeks and then just pre-record them, um, it's just easier for me.
0: Yeah, so. totally. So if people want to find you, find I'll link um, the resource that you mentioned in the episode notes and I'll link all your platforms.
1: So um, my main place you can find me on Instagram is at Um And then I have the mum break podcast as well, which I think if you guys are fans of this podcast is pretty similar um, mm-hmm. in terms of what we're covering and our, I think our style is pretty similar too, which is nice. Although I was thinking about it today, you're a bit more um, like science-y than I am. I'm the least science-y person ever. Well, and I'm like, I like the structure, which ties me into um, Tidy Timer a little bit. So you have like the science-y order analytical, like, like the show notes where I'm like, oh, okay, come on to my podcast. I'm not giving you any questions. Just show <laughs> up. We'll just wing it. Um, but I also have an account, Tidy Timer, which uh, started because again, Anxiety for me manifests in the need to organize. And I've always been a big organizer. Um, I remember when I was like six or seven, um software was not a thing back then. Mm. And I really wanted to, I really like rearranging my bedroom. And my parents got sick of me rearranging like physically moving the, the pieces of furniture around the room because they're big bulky wood pieces. And my dad and I created a to scale miniature wood model of my room. So that I could move the pieces around and pre-plan oh it God. ahead of time. Yeah, I'm super cool like that. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the actual like systems behind things and how things are organized in a house uh, are important to me because they help save time and they help with my anxiety. So I started Tidy Timer in a way to declutter my entire house in 90 days and then document it. All on Instagram, just for fun, because why not? Mm-hmm. Essentially what I'll do is I'll be super fancy and set up a tripod and clean in front of it. Like the super cool blogger that I am. I'm like, don't worry. I have to set up my tripod and then I can clean so I can film this. Otherwise it didn't happen. It wasn't yep. a real thing, uh, <laughs> but it actually does motivate me to clean quick. Like I don't take breaks when I clean with the video on, which is great. So I highly recommend it to anybody because I am, <laughs> I don't just stop and scroll because I can't, because my phone is recording me. And then I use an app and make it all fast and fancy. And then I do it before and after and say that it it, it helps people realize that, hey, to clean your kitchen feels like it's going to take 18 hours, but actually only takes five minutes. Yes, totally. That's the biggest thing. So yeah, tidy timer as well. You can
0: find me there. I'm very
1: passive, (laughs) very passive
0: there. I'll
1: be there every now and then.
0: Yeah, you're mostly at mom.break. All right. Well, any last words for us? No, I have nothing clever or witty right now, but I oh, do okay. appreciate you having me on
1: here and yeah, letting I'm me, so um, sidestep your outline a little bit. I mean it <laughs> probably killed you on the
0: inside. The best is when I was going on your podcast and I'm like, she doesn't have an outline. Oh my God. She's just going to ask me stuff. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a, I
1: got a, I did an interview yesterday and, uh, <laughs> they were like, well, you're not giving her questions. I was like, no, we're, we're, um, we're doing this unscripted. <laughs> The oh season is all unscripted but it takes time to create the questions right like think about like having yeah. to draft and do the research and I wanted it my season of this my season of the season three of the Monday podcast <laughs> to be um more like we're actually having like meeting for coffee meeting for the first time yeah um, so it's it's good because it's fun from that perspective but it's also way easier for me yeah <laughs> when, less
0: work yeah All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me and I'm sure I will see you on Instagram and other places. Once COVID is over, we're definitely going to go to Ottawa because that's like, we lived there for 10 years. So yeah, one day and our sons are like the same age. So we'll just stick them in a park and let them run and have a drink. Yep. So that's what we're going to do.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you for having me. It was so much fun.